Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christopherson. Gentlemen, yesterday we talked schedules, and that means tomorrow Nebraska actually starts football camp, and we are not going to be able to see a practice. We won't be over there. Have you kind of thought about how odd it's going to be on September 5th Nebraska runs out against Rutgers, and your first experience of Omar Manning is going to be him lining up at wide receiver? And him catching a 65-yard touchdown pass on the first play from scrimmage, that will be strange to see. But Do you, uh, uh, do you yeah. want to make that a, a bold prediction already? Yeah, why not? Yeah, you can, you can do that sort of thing in 2020. You can just throw out, like, something like that, and no one's going to remember it. And in case it ha- if it happens, then everyone's like, man, that guy's really sharp. He, he just knows stuff, and if it doesn't, no one remembers. So, yes. I feel like this is where Brunts would pop in and tell us that the pass will actually be thrown by Luke McCaffrey on a wide receiver reverse pass. The, I, I, was, I was chuckling to myself thinking that, it would be funny if, you know, they, they trot out for the first play and lo and behold, they've actually been listing Omar Manning wrong all this time and he's actually 5'8 and like 160 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> and, and Rutgers is sitting there like, wait, what? Um, that, that's, that's my hope um, that, that something like that happens. But uh, it's going to be – just a fascinating trip through this football season uh, with how all this goes. And uh, it all starts tomorrow. But as I said on the emergency podcast yesterday, it is nice to actually be discussing uh, football for a change and not the what if. I mean, there's still a lot of what ifs and and definitely precarious, but it, it feels like there's a little bit of sense of normalcy. It's like, it's like pitchers and catches reporting. It's a sign of spring. As long as none of you predict Noah Vedrill throwing the first touchdown pass in that game for 65 yards on the first play, which would have been acceptable several months ago, but now uh, would get a screw you from our audience. Yeah, they wouldn't, uh, they would not appreciate that. Uh, That would not go over well. Okay, so we won't be able to watch actual practices, but what are some of the things, BC, that you're looking to suss out when we talk to position coaches, when we talk to Scott Frost, when we talk with players, what are like what's a what's a storyline you're going to be looking for in fall camp? Uh, I guess I'd start with I think Mike Dawson has the toughest job of any of the assistants this year. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard enough if it were normal times, and he had actually had a spring with his guys, but basically he comes into this new position. And he's had to do everything through Zoom meetings so far and all that sort of stuff. You don't really get to know what you have. And it's the biggest question mark on the defense. You do have some guys with experience in Doman and Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson, and they could shut us all up in a hurry. And that would be a welcome thing for Husker football if they did. Um, But I just find that position so curious because I I feel like somebody from the rest of the pack – is going to have to rise up and have one of the biggest roles at that position. And I don't know who it is yet. It could, I always talk about Nico Cooper, but, you know, J- Javen Wright's a very interesting player at that position. I'm glad he's working at outside backer. 
and you know there's there's other guys who want to make their name known too blaze gunnerson and all that so um jamari butler it's that position i just think uh it's it's kind of scary right now but let's see what mike dawson can do with it they have a lot of faith in his coaching ability and we're we're about to see it on display here all right Brunts, what about you what what comes to mind uh Who's the left guard? That, that's my question. And, you know, we, we got – again, Nebraska seems to – whenever it rains, it pours with news. But yesterday, uh, Nori – I always butcher his name. Well, uh, we thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he uh, learned that he would be immediately eligible. And that's another name in that guard competition along with Hickson – uh, heck, Brock Bando, Ethan Piper, Bo Wilson. It seems like that's the the most hotly contested uh, job on the the roster right now, and how that shakes out is going to be pretty fascinating to watch. And that 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 to me is going to get a lot of attention, at least from you know who, who's emerging there, because you know without a, a, a spring practice, the fall is going to be really big for continuity along that offensive line, and I think you'd probably want to have have a starter name there sooner than later. I'm really curious what the the talk out of fall camp is going to be about some of these 2019 guys that redshirted last year. I, Ty Robinson obviously comes to mind, and we're ranking him fairly high on our most indispensable Huskers list. Uh, and he's one of them. He's not the only one on the defensive line. Most I knew some is someone that could work himself into playing time. But I, I want to hear where a guy like Nick Henrich finds himself after the first week of fall camp and if he's able to kind of make a move and, and put himself in position to be part of that rotation with Will Honus and Colin Miller at inside linebacker. I'd like to hear more about, you know, and Ethan Piper. Brunts mentioned that left guard spot. Ethan Piper is someone that I think all of us wouldn't have been shocked if, if he walked out of there with the job simply because – they really seem to like him. It's almost like Greg Austin can't not mention him whenever he's talking about what they have coming up on that offensive line. And so uh, some of these red shirt freshmen, Miles Farmer, you know, what kind of role can he carve out on the defensive uh, side of things in the secondary, even though there's a number of guys that are playing corner or playing safety, what, what kind of role can he have? Can he sort of force the issue? Could he take, somebody's job so I think those redshirt freshmen are as interesting to me on this roster as just about anything else well, they you have think, to they yeah. have to be go ahead yeah that, go ahead Browns. that group has to, to to rise up I mean that that's the that was the idea with a lot of those guys redshirting and I mean it's uh we're gonna have to get a sense I think of those guys stepping up and and, and starting to win jobs and really kind of make their presence felt. I mean, that that's – you don't want to say that's what Nebraska is really hitching their wagon to, but, I mean, the, a number of those guys, a bigger percentage than normal, are going to have to be hits if this program is going to take a step forward. What I was going to say is, do you think Nebraska could play 500 ball record-wise this season? But if the 2019 class, which I agree is – is basically the biggest storyline of the whole thing steps up and by the end of the year you feel really good about like half or more than half of those guys going into the next 
season. Do you think Husker fans in sort of this weird year where you're playing five teams that are in the preseason top 25 and you're, you're trying to get through the season and establish yourself for the future, do you think Husker fans would accept that as a, I guess, a positive result in a way, even if the record isn't very shiny with it? I think so. I, I think that people are probably – Going to look at 500, especially in a year where Nebraska has been dealt the kind of hand that they have, just like everybody else in the country, uh, as probably a pretty good accomplishment. It's, you know, on 24-7 sports, Nebraska's Big Ten schedule is ranked the second toughest out of the entire 14 teams in the conference. I think people realize that you look at this schedule, if you walk away with five wins, that's an accomplishment, especially when for the last couple of years you've really struggled with schedules that have included easier wins that you've given away. So I guess I personally think that people would be pretty okay. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be writing home to tell about how this is going to be a team that clearly is uh, set to make a giant jump in 2021. But I do think that it would just be another, another way to show progress if they were able to get to 500, especially given this, the, the year that they have with the schedule and, and kind of the difficulties and the fact that they're going to be a pretty young team again this year, which means that hopefully that carries over into the future. It's uh, all five hundreds, I think are not created equal. Um, you know, I, I, it, it, I, it, I kind of ca- had a caveat there where, you know, there's certainly games where Nebraska is going to be an underdog and, and probably a big underdog, but you know, I think Nebraska fans are pretty smart and, and understand what good football looks like. And I think Nebraska needs to start playing more consistent, good football. If they are, you know, getting blown out, um, you know, losing games in, you know, a fashion where they shouldn't thinking, you know, Iowa last year or uh, the Purdue game last year, Northwestern in 2018, Colorado last year. I mean, th- those kinds of games where, Nebraska kind of is its own worst enemy. I, I, I don't think people will feel comfortable with five and five in that scenario, but if they play more consistently, I think if there's guys in that 2019 class that, you know, you, you can start to build around thinking of a, you know, a Ty Robinson or a, uh, an Ethan Piper or a Bryce Benhart or somebody, you know, those types of guys, um, I think they would accept that. I mean, to me, it, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, does the, the product on the field kind of pass the smell test? And that, that's where, you know, the last two seasons, sometimes it's looked really good thinking uh, of, of the second half of 2018. And there's been times where, you know, Nebraska really should have won, won more games the last two years, but just wasn't able to get it done either. It's just a, kind of a it, – it, the answer is it depends, I guess, uh, you know, which is not exactly a definitive answer. What else you got, Bruns, BC? Well, here's another one for you. Uh, Storyline-wise, what, what's – without being able to see it, um, what, what special teams going to look like? Um, that's, you know, a big question mark. They've obviously brought in a lot of new guys. Uh, you have more guys that are uh, not going to be doing the kind of four-game shuffle with red shirts. Uh, so can that group improve and who emerges? Is, is it going to be, 
you know, is the kicker going to be Connor Culp, who Schaefer very much uh, included in his top 25? Um, or, you know, is it going to be somebody else? Or, or how, how is that group going to improve? That's a big question mark in fall camp. And another issue, I think, with not having a spring is he really didn't have the opportunity to work through that stuff on the field. Yeah, that's a good one. I guess, you know, the at running back, I'm curious who's who sort of positions themselves next in line to Dedrick Mills um, for the opening week. You know, can Sevion Morrison or Marvin Scott in a few weeks' time, you know, jump over Ramir Johnson, who I like a lot. Um, I'm just that'll that'll be interesting how that depth chart looks, and if there's a bunch of ors attached to it. Um, at running back going into week one, something I don't think we're going to learn a lot about in fall camp, especially as distant as we will be from it is Adrian Martinez's progress. I feel like that's something that we're just going to have to wait till there's an actual game and see his decision-making in those situations. I think there's going to be a lot of positive things said about where he's at in August, but I think people are just going to kind of like, okay, let's wait and see on that. But I am curious what his mentality is going to be after what has been a very long off season. where last year there was all the hype. This year there's a lot of doubters. And uh, he's also heard a lot about how Nebraska, every time on there's Joe Burrow comes up, for some reason he enters into it, and how Nebraska whiffed and not taking Burrow, and he kind of gets thrown into that conversation. And so I just have to think there's a lot of fuel there, but what does he do with it? That's really going to be interesting. And we didn't hear from Adrian Martinez in the spring either. No, he, yeah, he didn't appear at the, and not that he had to, uh, they picked a few guys and he just didn't happen to do it that day. But yeah, we haven't heard from him since what was it? The Iowa game. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, that, uh, it seems like we're going to look to learn a lot over this fall camp. And, uh, there's no shortage of questions you could ask at any position on this team. And I remain steadfast in my belief that Connor Culp is going to be Nebraska's place kicker. Brunts, you're not going to shame me on that one. He should be. He was number one on your list. He's not number one. He's number 15. <laughs> All right. Before we, uh, before we get to break, let's, let's quickly kind of get into just a little recruiting here. We are hearing that the NCAA is likely to push out the dead period through September. Right now it goes through the month of August. Nebraska hasn't had visitors on campus since early March before things got shut down. What, uh, what, if anything, does it mean, Brunts, to you uh, if the NCAA pushes this out through September? I don't view it as a particularly surprising development, and I – I'm somewhat skeptical we're going to see visitors on campus anytime soon while they're also trying to get football games. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's not, not particularly surprising. Here's the question that I have for – I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Do you, do you expect that as this can gets kicked down the road even more, uh, as, you know, kind of what's out there right now, uh, do you expect to see more decisions being made by guys that were hoping to take visits? Um, I think that we're going to see if things get pushed through September, like expected, I think the writing's going to be kind of on the wall at that point as to what the season's going to look like with visits. And so I do think you're going to see some guys look 
potentially to, to make decisions. And you're also going to have other ones that are basically going to stick with what they've said. And they wanted to, to get through their own high school se- uh, season before making a decision. So I think it's going to be a, a few more players end up announcing something. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a mad rush. I don't think you're going to have 95% of your recruitable athletes committed anytime soon. But I, I do think that some guys that might have been waiting, I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas Fedoni, uh, you know, he's one that allegedly has a visit set for, for LSU in September, which already wouldn't have happened based on the SEC schedule of uh, when games are going to be played. So I, I'm curious if, if we aren't reaching towards the end with Fedoni, uh, how long does he want to wait to see if he can take that LSU visit? But if he doesn't feel immense pressure to make an immediate commitment somewhere else, then he could decide to wait it out. But he's kind of the, the, the most topical of those names. It feels like a lot of the other ones have been pretty consistent in saying that they want to at least get to um, a midpoint of their high school season or over with it before they do anything else. And that's, that's kind of the, the type of kids that you run into here in August at this point anyways. We talk about Fedoni so much, but I think he's – I don't really think it's overstating it to say he's one of the biggest recruits Nebraska's been after since I've been on this beat because of this – not only because he's a great talent, he's a top 40 player, but because of this whole situation. And you're, you need to rely a little bit more on those local prospects. And here you have what a lot of people think is a game changer sort of in your backyard. And I, I just feel like there's going to be a piece that sort of falls over people who follow Husker recruiting if he says, yes, I'm in. I, f- I feel like there's just so much riding on him um, perception-wise. And perception is a big part of recruiting. Um, and so that's – I don't know. I, as much as we talk about him, I, it, it makes sense to me why we do because I think there's just so much lubing in how it's going to shape the narrative around this class with the people who follow it. Okay. All right. Uh, some quick good stuff there recruiting-wise. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we are going to dive into our list uh, and go from spot number 10 – into spot number six, we have gotten into the top ten now and uh, the players that really could shape Nebraska's season and who we think those are. So that will be coming up on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
All right, guys. Well, without further ado, let's just uh, let's dive right into it. You have your list in front of you. Are you ready to go? Ready there. Yes. All right. Well, Brunts, Brunts with a very forceful yes. Who is your number 10? Uh, mine was Ben Stilley, uh, the veteran defensive lineman. I think Nebraska is going to lean on him on the field, off the field. Uh, and I, I, he's kind of up there for me just because I, I don't know that they necessarily have a, a guy that you slide in right behind him that's that mix of kind of talent, I guess, and uh, experience. I, I think he's going to be a real important uh, leader for Nebraska this season. BC? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll just say quickly. I had Stilly at nine and get that out of the way for same reasons Bronze mentioned. I I think he's a table setter. He's kind of a bridge to the future on that D line. You've got exciting young guys like Mosai Newsom and and all that. But I I think you want this to be a year where a guy like Newsom and some of those players don't have to carry all the weight. They can get some game reps, but you know you've got uh, a pretty good safety net. And a guy who has led this team in TFLs and sacks before, I still think has his best football in front of him. So that's why it's still a nine. At 10, I had Deontay Williams, um, who we actually had fifth last year. And I think was fair because it was proven how uh, important he was by the disarray Nebraska's secondary was in after his injury. They had to do play musical chairs basically the rest of the year. Everything we've heard about Deontay Williams suggests he's a pro-type prospect. And so um, he's a ball hawk. He, we, he showed that in a brief period in 2018 when he got a play. Um, the question you have with him is, you know, after you've been basically haven't played hardly football in two years, what, it, what do you look like? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I think he's a top 10 player, and I maybe have him a little low even. Yeah, I have uh, I have Will Honus at number ten, and this is probably the highest where he's at across our three lists. But I do think if you listen to Barrett Rude, especially last year, uh, talk about what he had at inside linebacker, he really came to appreciate that Will Honus was his most consistent guy, and that he knew what he was going to get when he was on the field. That he really valued his uh, his ability out there, and and it, while Will is not the most talkative and certainly not the most engaging as far as interviews go. He does have a very important vocal role and that inside linebacker position is really important in this defense. And so I think just by being their most consistent guy and just by being at that inside linebacker spot, it was going to be hard for me to leave him outside of the top 10. And I, I think the breakout is coming for Will Honus. I really do think his best season is going to be this last one. We saw that at junior college. I thought he played well at times last year. And if there's another level that he can get to, it's only going to help Nebraska defense going forward. All right, so BC had Stilly at number nine. I'll just go ahead and start this off. I have Matt Farniak at number nine. He is, uh, he's going to have an important role either way, whether he's at right guard or whether he is at right tackle. We suspect it'll be right guard because we think Bryce Benhart's going to be able to take that job and run with it at right tackle, a senior guy, a guy that has a ton of experience. I'm excited to see Matt Farniak at the more natural position for him. I had so many people over the last four or five years tell me that he's a guard, he's a guard, he's a guard, and he's had to play tackle out of necessity. We should be seeing the best football for Matt Farniak going forward. 
Run two, you got at nine. Uh, Omar Manning is my number nine. Um, I I felt odd about having somebody that we haven't seen play uh, that high, but I don't know that there's anybody on the roster right now uh, with his measurables that has the basically the, the weight of the offense kind of on him. Um, so – uh, he's number nine for me. I had, uh, I'll say my eight was Deontay Williams for the same reason that Brian said. So, uh, knock off two right there. Yeah. My number eight was, uh, Farniak who we've talked a little bit about, um, for all the reasons mentioned. Now, what's interesting as a sidebar to that is what, what becomes of Bo Wilson and, you know, is, could he be in line at the left guard spot? Um, I thought it was sort of an underrated storyline when Greg Austin said he's already talked to Bo Wilson and said, look, we're not going to put as many snaps on you this year because we have the depth behind you. And they thought Bo Wilson, um, when he was healthy in 2018, was a really good player. And then last year he wasn't healthy for most of the year and he had his inconsistencies. And so – that just tells you how much confidence Greg Austin has in sort of that second line of guys where we're talking about a player in Bo Wilson who started like 21 straight games or something like that. And they're basically telling him off the bat, like you're not going to play every snap this go around because we've got the depth and it's going to help you. Um, so that's an interesting Farniak going to right guard moves Wilson somewhere, maybe left side. I don't know, but that that's going to be something to watch this fall camp too. Definitely. All right. Well, on to uh, on to number eight. We I have Deontay Williams. BC talked about him. I agree with a lot of that. I I think he can be a really really good player uh, at Nebraska, uh, a valuable player for Nebraska in, in the defensive backfield. And I I want to see him in this role. And I, I there's a reason that I ranked him so high last year. There's a reason I still have him in the top ten. There's a reason why I think Nebraska really wants to, to get him out on the field for multiple games, let guys like Miles Farmer and others learn from him. Uh, I think he can be a, a pretty big asset for them in the secondary. Brunts, what do you got at eight? Uh, mine was Deontay Williams. So I'm, I'm in agreement with all of you guys and what you've said. All right. BC? Well, I had Farnack at eight. My seven oh, is yep. – uh, no, that's all right. Are we to seven? I, yeah, we're I at seven. To, I, I forgot that you had uh, Stilly at nine. Yeah, I went on a little Bo Wilson rant that uh, got us off track a little bit. Uh, and also a Pittsburgh Pirate just hit a three-run homer against the Twins, and it, it kind of threw me for a loop seeing that. But uh, 446 are the, are the feet. Are only up 15 to three now against the Pirates? No, it's, it, it tied it at three. But Gregory Polanco of the Pirates hit the ball into the water. Uh, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Brunson, I found out it's actually – that's a beautiful little city, I think. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. um, number seven, I had Omar Manning. Uh, Brunson went over it. Uh, I feel the same where I, I felt guilty about putting a guy we haven't seen play because there's sort of too much hype attached to it. But everybody knows it exists already, so why not embrace it and hug it? Uh, Scott Frost has said he's never coached a guy who – you know, looks quite like Omar Manning as a wide receiver. Um, and so, I mean, he's expected to come in and, and uh, be part of it. I, and we've talked about this before. I don't think he has to have, um, 
you know, a record setting season, but if he has like a Mo Purify type first season, I think that's very good. And I hope people recognize that. All right. My number seven, seven, Ken Taylor Britt. Is he a corner? Is he a nickel? Is he a safety? Does he do all those things? Is he on special teams? Uh, he, he's just a special athlete. And as, as good as that secondary is, I, I think he's poised for a breakout season this year. Uh, they've got depth there, but uh, I, I think as he continues to get more comfortable with playing defensive back, I, I just think uh, he, he's really going to be a difference maker this year for Nebraska. Yeah, I uh, I have him a little higher. We'll be hearing about Cam Taylor Britt for me a little bit later. But I went Travis Vokalek at number seven, easily the highest out of the three of us, I'm sure. Easily. The the, the stuff that, that I have heard about Travis Vokalek and the way that some of the defensive coaches have talked about him and, and just what he was doing uh, for the scout team last year and just how big and physical he can be. Also knowing that I think Nebraska is going to try to establish more – uh, throws, easy throws for Adrian Martinez. You can get a tight end that's a little bit more athletic, more of a receiving tight end than what we've seen, at least out of Jack Stoll so far. I think Travis Vokalek can have a nice year. And I guess, you know, we've talked a lot about how 400 is kind of the magical yards number for tight ends, and we haven't seen anybody go over that in some time. I also think he could just take up a bunch of receptions too. I wouldn't be shocked if he had 35, 40 receptions this year. And it also wouldn't surprise me if between Travis Vokalek and Omar Manning, he's the quicker to have an impact on this team because he's had a year learning the system, being in the scout team, being around these guys. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked by that. How crazy am I? I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're crazy. <laughs> no. Right. You're not crazy. We both agree. At least I, that's I, what makes me crazy. I, I, I agree. Like, and, and the vocal thing was kind of the same thing for me where, you know, we, we haven't seen him, but everything that, that we've heard about him from the coaching staff, from people on the program is he seems like he's poised for a very big year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will go ahead and I'll just do my number six here. I probably have him a little lower as I look at my list and I, I could have moved him up a couple spots, switched a few things around. But I have Wandale Robinson at number six. He's going to be vitally important, at least early in the season, because he's kind of your, your established guy. I mean, you have, you have Dedrick Mills, you have Wandale Robinson. Robinson, you're do-everything athlete. I really hope they just use him in the slot this year. They don't run him at, at running back a lot and just let him be a weapon for you in, in the open field. I think the, that Wandale Robinson's going to be a really good player at Nebraska, and we saw flashes of that. And the biggest question mark is, can he be durable enough to withstand kind of the punishment? And that's why I'd, I'd rather not see him take a ton of carries this year. Let him let him catch the ball in space and don't get him beat up too much. My, uh, my, number, my number six was Farniok. Um, you know, I, I think like Schaefer, he's a, he's a natural guard. I think that uh, Nebraska's issues last year running between the tackles will be helped significantly with him inside. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just excited to see what that looks like. And, and the other thing that he doesn't get a lot of credit for is just how much of an important piece he is to the, the offensive line from a leadership point of view. 
uh, that, that line has to set the tone. And I think so much of it starts with uh, that move inside that this coaching staff has wanted to do for a long time. You see, I had Boodle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had Boodle at six. Uh, I think he was 10th overall on our list. Uh, I had, the, had him the highest. The reason I did is because he can do everything in the secondary. And I think he's a safety net. Like if, uh, if there were an injury or something happened to one of your safeties, um, he can go back there and you can move the pieces around well enough um, without necessarily calling on one of the younger guys. Also, I know he doesn't have an interception and you'd like to see that come, but he's a, he's a pretty good shutdown corner. I mean, he's one of those guys you can put on a very good receiver like LaVisca Chenault or anybody in college football and you can rely on DiCaprio Boodle holding his own and not just getting torched over and over again. And I've seen Nebraska secondaries where they've had corners who you could not say that about. And so I, I think he's sometimes taken for granted. And Eric Chenander said, I think, puts him at number one as far as guys who just do their job the right way. So I will say Boodle at six. And I think a guy like him could also be big uh, for like an Adab Joseph you know, coming in and, and getting acquainted with Husker football and all that. Um, if I'm Joseph, I turn to Deontay Williams, Boodle, and Dismuke, and I, I uh, listen to what they have to say because they've, they've been through some things. All right. Do we have any uh, final thoughts before we finish this thing up? I got one for you. The uh, – on us. Saw the uh, Soros Valley Sabre Dogs uh, who play in the Expedition League they had, uh, they had jort night where all of the players were wearing uniforms, uniform tops, and they were playing in cutoff shorts. Are you guys in for that or no? Do you want to have a jort day at the Husker 24-7 offices? Not, you don't have to do that, but um, you, guys, you guys okay with baseball and jorts? Uh, as a one-time one-off for, for an individual program, absolutely. I think that's hilarious. Every day, I think I'd be out on it. Yeah, once in a while is fine. I would like more like cargo pants with where they have to put like janitor's keys in each of the pockets and play with that. Just jangling around the base paths? Yeah, and they're falling out and stuff like that. <laughs> do, we, do we have to make the obligatory Jake Cotton reference when we bring up Jorts? Do you guys remember the, the photo I'm talking about? Yes. Yes, I do. I tried to forget it. Yeah, I, I did too, but then you mentioned Jorts, and that's kind of where I went. Yeah, but the, the, the Twitter account for this team uh, included pictures, and there's some guys that have some uh, dangerously short shorts. I would not want to be sliding in, in these shorts. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. uh, we, we normally do this whenever there's a major event around. We haven't had the opportunity to, and, and because we potted a little later today, we didn't get to uh, – we didn't get to make predictions. BC, who's winning the PGA Championship? Uh, how about uh, Rom, John Rom? Okay, it, or is he already is he already like four over as I'm speaking? He is not teed off yet. Okay, good. John Rom. I'm uh, Jason Day. Jason Day. I, th I think I'm with Jason Day. Okay, Jason Day is currently four under right now. Oh, there you go. That's cheating. You knew that. <laughs> I, I, I have not watched one, uh, one, one 
second of golf. The if you guys ever get the chance to to walk around up up by uh, Harding Park sometime, though, it's it's worth uh, a quick little jaunt. It's not a bad little muni course. Right. That's uh, that that is good to hear. I I bet at plus two hundred for Gary Woodland to finish in the top twenty. So I'm just going to pick Gary Woodland and hope that he finishes in the top twenty. That's all. Is he I teed can. off? He is three under through twelve right now. There you go. Isn't he a Midwest guy? He is from Kansas. Yeah. Well, there you go. He, and he's a good dude, I think, if, I, if I'm if, getting my – If we right. wanted to talk Midwest guys, right next door, Zach Johnson is five under, which is fun because there's now a second Zach Johnson on the tour, and that one is plus six. So you have both the, the highest and the lowest scores have the same name in the PGA tournament right now. Didn't wow. they play a practice round together, too, the other day? I, I think <laughs> I, I think that. they did. I think I read that. Well, one of them should have taken tips from the other. Ro- yeah. ro- uh, apparently, robot Martin Keimer uh, is tied for first, so they're uh, looking like, forward to. Boo. Yeah, this is this is true. All right, well, that's your PGA Championship update. Uh, if you don't get the final results like everybody else on Sunday, we'll be sure to let you know who the winner is the next time we podcast next week. And football is back. We'll have things to talk about next week. Hopefully, we'll be talking with Nebraska staff and learning about how fall camp is going. We will be back with more Husker 24-7 podcasts next week. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.